The winemakers are up next, but first, check out this other great show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Destination Eat Drink. This week on the podcast, we're in Florence, Italy to find out how to tell good gelato from bad gelato. But then you definitely don't want it when it's stacked really high and they've got a piece of pineapple on one and a piece of to show you because you obviously don't speak Italian, (laughs) you know, what that flavor is. Because if they hear one more person say fragola instead of fragola, they're going to have a stroke. So they put the the strawberries (laughs) on top. For more tips on finding the best gelato in Florence and how Christmas is celebrated in Italy, download Destination Eat Drink today on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Hey, welcome to the winemakers. This is Brian Casey with uh, Sam Katuri and Bart Hansen. John Myers is actually, he's actually doing um, Kathleen Hill's show right now, so he's not going to be able to join us. He's uh, at KSVY. I talked to him this morning. He didn't even know that um, on his show today is Jane from the spa at the Fairmont. So he's, I think he's just running the board for Kathleen, but they're going to be talking about um, doing spa treatments at the Fairmont, which is great. So COVID spa (laughs) treatments? Yeah, We're doing them outdoors. So it's, yeah, it's, you know, trying to do whatever we can. But on the show today, we've got someone who is actually competing with Elaine Chuck and Brown Hawk Waka Waka the Sardonic Meatball to have the longest name. <laughs> we've on. got no way. Alyssa Ali Nemchanuk Nemo. But it gets weirder because I was reading an article by by um, Chris Sawyer, who's a friend of the podcast, and he was talking about the two Elizabeths. Sonoma Elizabeth and Napa Elizabeth, and that's also you. You're Sonoma Elizabeth. So, t- what the heck's going on? What is your real name? Who are you? My my full name is Elizabeth Sarah Nemchanak, and I'm half Russian. And so, in uh, a lot of Russian families, it's not a complete KGB um, type experience. But you have nicknames, right? So, my dad named me Elisa, and so I was Elisa and Liz throughout my school years and when I came to Anderson Valley, Mendocino, just north of Sonoma, um, there was a lady I worked with who, uh, whose name is Lisa. So she said, oh no, no, we can't have both Lisa and Alisa. That's too confusing for the drunk people. You're gonna be Allie. <laughs> Allie from the Valley. It's that big long name to three letters and I call myself Allie, not to be mistaken with Alibaba. So that's, that's <laughs> I mean, you know what? Now I really feel like that maybe you are a Russian, like one of the <laughs> Russian spies, just because I wasn't going anywhere with the Russia thing and you brought it up. And now it's like a, it's a bait and switch. And now we're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, okay, but you really are a spy. And of course, <laughs> in the Anderson Valley, there's a lot of top secrets that go on in the Anderson Valley. I mean, Joining us today from Anderson Valley, Boris and Natasha. <laughs> and do they speak the other language? Hmm, have they picked up on the bootling yet? <laughs> oh, yeah. The name of our winery is actually a bootling term. I knew it was going to come up at some point. I just didn't imagine it was going to be right off the bat. So. <laughs> I, you know what? Well, and Ali, tell us who you have with you, you too. Oh, yeah. My, we are a dynamic duo. Andy and I met in 2013, and he thought, huh we could make some wine together and share a life together. So this is Andre Danielle Duvigneau, but he goes by Andy. 
and uh, he was born in a redwood fairy ring circle. Cool. Wait, wait, wait. You're going to have to explain that. Tag. Uh, well, I don't remember any of it, but according to, uh, to rumors, I was born in a surplus army tent under a redwood tree uh, while my parents were building the hippie chateau where we live now. <laughs> and, and this is where exactly? You guys are invited. You can call our bluff. But uh, it's up, up and down and all around uh, Camp Navarro is a place a lot of people from the Bay Area will come. It's uh, just over the, the bridge to the Apple Farm as well. So it's Hendy Woods Bridge, um, Greenwood, Philo Road. If you continue to go on that road, you would fall off into the Pacific Ocean. But if you turn left on Signal Ridge Road, you end up um, just a few doors down from where Andy was born and where we currently reside with our puppies. So we are officially in the Mendocino Ridge Appalachian. We are south of 128 and above 1,200 feet elevation. Island in the sky. It's like a tiramisu layered cake. We have them in the <laughs> air. You can, you can get all sorts of really cool trees there. And um, we get to look up at the fog and down at the fog, but still have somewhat temperate weather all year round. Okay, so and I should... To, to, to go back, I think what caught your, caught your ears when you, she said in the middle of a fairy ring, and. I, I assume that you know what a fairy ring is, right? Should we maybe, ex you don't really? Growing up here? Um, maybe we should, because we do have listeners worldwide. Maybe um, someone should explain what a fairy ring is. Okay, I can jump in. Um, a fairy ring is um, redwood trees uh, reproduced by, by cloning themselves. So you have an original redwood tree and then it shoots suckers around the base of it, which then become large trees. And over the millennia, you end up with the circle of redwood trees that are all clones of the same original redwood tree, but there's nothing in the middle. That's the, the spirit of the long original, long lost original redwood tree that may have, may have, may have died or burned up you know, thousands of years ago. Uh, but it creates this, this space because redwoods have very tannic uh, needles uh, and very acidic soil around them. Uh, nothing grows in there. So you walk out in the forest, you'll see the circle of trees with complete bare, just, just soft brown needles uh, in the middle with, with nothing growing in there. And it's very magical. And, and, and it's really cool. amazing because when you go inside some of these fairy rings it is, is how big it is. And, that, and, that, and then you look at the trees that surround it and you realize how big they are if it's an old one. And then you all of a sudden have, try to figure out the enormity of this tree that lived there one time and how long ago it was. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. And when you look at it, you realize there's really, there's very few branches that go in. So you're kind of like inside a snail shell type feeling. You can hear yourself breathe and think in the trees and it's really quite magical. So um, way, yeah. it, you should definitely stand inside a redwood fairy ring circle and look up or birth a baby there and he'll end up as magical as Andy. <laughs> so, so people actually inside of these fairy rings will put like a tent or actually build like a little home or something? Yeah, my parents had a, a surplus army tent, like from MASH, and they were building um, the house where we live now. Uh, so they had a nine, nine by nine tent with a kitchen they'd built. Uh, and it was a little summer house they had, and uh, they had moved up from San Diego and would come up in the summers and work on the house and live in the tent. And uh, I, was, I was allegedly born in that tent. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, so, and, and I wanted to mention that, so, the reason that we've got you on the program, or one of the reasons, is because my brother-in-law, who is an avid wine drinker, um, had gone up to Anderson Valley and had visited with you, and then he came back and he listens to the show. He said, I, you know, you guys don't, 
um, have enough people on from Anderson Valley. You, there's some really cool stuff going on up there. Here's a couple of names that you should get a hold of these people and get them on the podcast. So thank you, Tom Baker Inc. Um, uh, I guess he had um, come with you and done a tasting, probably with his wife Anya, who is Russian. So I don't know if um, I don't know if you speak Russian. Anya definitely is English is second language, and all of their kids are um, you know have Russian names too. <laughs> so that's so delightful. I had to read the back of one of my grandmother's um, photographs uh, in the Bootling book, which. Uh, is no longer in print, but Andy will grab for us. And I can show those of you that are watching. Um, there is uh, the definition of bee hunter. And so what I oftentimes will do is say, find the picture of me as a little girl and you can find out what bee hunting is. And uh, she got to it and she, her eyes got wide and she read the back of this. Um, it's all in Russian, uh, the back of this, uh, here he is. Um, I'll show you guys. So it's, this is me as a little girl. Well, it's fun on the podcast, but. Aww. <laughs> All right. So for, to, to do a visual description, a little girl standing on like a chair in a, standing up on a chair, pink dress, pink shoes. Yeah. Your butt like she's six or seven. Up one more time. Yeah, it's, it's a classic picture. Yeah. And, so, and on the back is written all in Russian, cursive Russian writing. And so she was able to read this and, uh, started crying and she thought it was really sweet from my grandmother. So we had a moment, we shared a little moment now. Very nice. Okay, so tell yeah. us how, yeah, tell us how the, the name Bee Hunter and tell us the, the sort of the origin of that. Well, so when I first came to Anderson Valley from Florida, I had sold a lot of wine in um, the Sarasota, Tampa area. That's where I came from. I had my, uh, my life there and I thought I was gonna be a snowbird by 30, go back and forth. So I love that you're gonna have listeners from all over because I can let my friends tune in um, from uh, on the other side of the country. And uh, they, they're always saying, you know, when are you coming home? And I was like, well, you know, I kind of like going back and forth like this. And then I fell in love with Andy and now I made a new home. But when I was at Hanley Cellars, I was uh, in the garden reading this bootling book from cover to cover. And I would jokingly uh, tell people who were, um, tasting wine and just finish their tasting or a little bit schnucker, just a little, uh, that they should read this ridiculous language. Um, and if they wanted to know the name of my winery, if I ever had one, they should flip to the page that says Bee Hunter. And they loved it. And so when Andy and I started making wine in 2013 and he didn't have an exact name in mind, I said, you know, I've been sitting on this name and it might be a gold mine. Uh, if, you know, you give me your name, I'll give you mine. And that's uh, where it came from. But um, Andy doesn't want me necessarily to show you this because if not everyone can see it, but you can look up Bootling on YouTube, B-O-O-N-T-L-I-N-G, and there's a little red book that I got um, to learn Bee Hunter from, so I will read it verbatim. A Bee Hunter is a name, it's a valley girl who, when she had been on a date and was asked where she had been, would reply evasively that she'd been bee hunting. So whenever you've been out and you had that delicious wine or you were berry picking and everybody wanted to know all about your beeswax, you can tell them that you were bee hunting because we always be hunting for something, right? Whether it's <laughs> a good place to take a hike or a new friend or a great bottle of wine. So, um, you know, you can be hunting down to the bottle of, bottom of that bottle and maybe you'll find the answer down there. So it, it has made <laughs> fun to talk about this, the historical old kind of raunchy language 
and, um, and how the bees going from garden to garden uh, collect the sweet honey or make the sweet honey from what they collect. And that's how we do it too. We go from garden to garden. We don't have any of our own estate um, grapes just quite yet. Uh, we collect from different vineyards and make it our style. Although the place where Andy was born, that road was the location of the first vineyards in all of Anderson Valley. So maybe one day, if we're crazy enough, we might plant something. But can we can we rewind a little bit and just talk a little bit more? I don't think even when we had we've had folks from from Handley Cellars, and I don't know some other Anderson Valley. Was it uh, Lulu? Um, yeah. But yeah. when we talk about bootling a little bit, because, you know, in Northern California, if, it, you know, there is, chances are, even if you live in Northern California, you've never heard of bootling. Um, I actually have a friend who studied linguistics in college and made his thesis on bootling. So I have a little bit, a little bit of bootling background and actually, um, but can, can you, will you, will you guys talk about it a little bit? I, I love it. You know, there's not a lot of bootling speakers left in the world um but it's it's definitely a cool thing so go ahead sorry go on harpa we boont so bootling was invented by hot pickers in the 1880s um they originally it was a transpositional language where they would transpose uh foreign words or random words or person name words for american words english words uh so it has english grammar um it um, was originally so that the men could talk about the women, but that lasted about 15 minutes. And so then they <laughs> talked about the kids, uh, they figured it out. And then um, everybody would talk about the bright lighters. They were the people that were wealthy enough to have um, gas lights. Um, so they were referred to as bright lighters. So there's an entire dictionary that was um, compiled by uh, Charles Adams for his uh, thesis on, on bootling. Uh, in the 60s, and there are uh, some people who still speak it. Um, it's uh, few to and far. Speak is to harp. What few, are you harping about? Few and far between. <laughs> uh, Bobby Glover, uh, Chipmunk, was quite famous. He went on um, late night TV shows many times and would would speak bootling for the uh, audiences. And I think a lot of people have uh, have that reference for bootling. So they know it's out there. They just don't really know what it is. Um, it's got a lot of words. It's um, a lot of them are from Pomo Indian. Um, many are from um, sort of mispronounced Spanish words. So like um, sheep is brego, uh, sort of a mispronunciation of borrego. A dog is short for hairy mouth, a harem. <laughs> so, so when I was a kid, I grew up in Sonoma County. And when, when I grew up, we would every year go to a family reunion up in Fort Bragg and we would drive through Anderson Valley. And I, typically I would go up with like my cousins or my parents would become at different times. So, but we always stopped and we, and our, and our goal was always to learn a, a few words of bootling and try to have conversations. And because my grandmother and her sisters used to sit around and talk in perfect English. And the minute they didn't want us to hear what they were saying, they'd go into Italian and then they'd come right back out of it, you know? And so we, this was our way that we, we weren't going to learn Italian, but we wanted to learn bootling. But when you only go once a year, it's hard to pick up much. And now I've corrupted all those brain cells. So. But I've always, I've always loved that. And it's basically just Anderson Valley, like Boonville, that, that's it's like a regional dialect, right? Yeah, it's actually Bell Valley. So if you take, um, if you're traveling to us, you'd be on Highway 101, and then you have a choice to so either take Highway 128 
um, which goes towards the coast immediately, or you can stay on 101 until Ukiah 253. That's if you're coming north. Um, so from if you're coming south, it's going to be 101 to 253, or you just take Highway 1 into uh, the turns into 128. So if you're in Ukiah and 253 and you're coming to Boonville, just before you get to the brewing company, Anderson Valley Brew Co., there's a little valley there called Bell Valley. And I believe the river is the Anderson Creek. Yeah, Anderson, Anderson Creek. Creek. And it's just right in that area where maybe like 20 people were able to reside and, uh, and pick up on um, this little lingo and talk about each other. Uh, there's something that I can um, teach you, Bart, which would be if you deke the Moshi down the pike, then you can see that car down the road. So to deke is to see, the moshi is a machine, is a car, and the pike is a road. So that's kind of the intonation of the language. Right, deke the moshi down the pipe. You got it, Bart? Yeah. <laughs> He's taking notes. <laughs> and, and so will you guys tell us how you sort of got into wine? I know um, you, you mentioned that you worked at Hanley Cellars and and Andy, I think you had worked at Navarro um, before? Yeah, I, I graduated with a degree in uh, mathematics and computer science and decided I never wanted to get a job. So <laughs> I got a, a seasonal job in a wilderness camp for a summer. And then I was talked into doing a seasonal uh, internship at Navarro Vineyards. And I enjoyed it. I went traveling afterwards, came back, and um, they made a job for me. And I was there for 10 years. I worked there from 2000 until 2009. Um, I was uh, doing some other things. I built a couple houses. I was um, thought I might go back to school and become an architect uh, when I met this one. And um, I was like, wow, I know how to make wine. You're charming. Let's make wine and sell wine together. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you guys can't see this. Uh, it's, it's, man, that's bad. It's saccharine. It's uh... so... <laughs> It's like honey. <laughs> yeah, it's sweet as honey here. So, so Annie, from where, you're, where you guys live on Mendocino Ridge, um, so the first vineyard I ever learned about in Mendocino County was Duprat. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and, and I know now um, John Sheila from Kenwood Winery owned it for a little while. Then he sold it. I don't know who currently owns it, but I know most recently Turley um, has been getting the grapes. Where is that in proportion to where you guys are at? And where is that, if you could talk a little bit to um, the example of, you know, what the elevation is on the valley floor and what it is up on the ridge? So we live right next to DePrat. Um, DePrat is just past the intersection of Greenwood Road and Signal Ridge Road. Um, Ann Fashauer uh, planted Zinfandel from field selection of DePrat. Um, we get grapes from there. She's our, our neighbor. Uh, she's the fairy dog mother of our dog. Um, <laughs> and uh, so we live up in that, that, that zone that was famous for Zinfandel. Um, unfortunately, only about half the year, years does it produce a great Zinfandel. There's lots of lost years. And so I think at this point, it's mostly planted now to Pinot and to Syrah um, because you don't lose those years. And, and on the best years, it's amazing. But on those lost years, it can be really tough. Um, and, and why, why, I'm sorry, why is that, that you have lost years? Is it just because of the, the temperature? It's because of the, um, it's really cold and wet in the spring sometimes here. And the Zinfandel just happens to flower uh, a little bit earlier. And so we get that, that, that cold, wet um, wind that 
inhibits uh, flower set. And so we just have very uneven yield, which can lead to, to green flavors and, and raisining and uneven ripeness, um, as well as just very low yields. And so um, Pinot Noir ripen, uh, flowers later. Um, and Syrah seems to do really well with, with lower yields. And when you have um, uneven ripeness in the Syrah, um, smaller berries, big berries um, on the ridges, it creates this really nice structured layered uh, tannin that, that can be quite quite interesting. Uh, the zin gets raisiny and you get this kind of red fruit plus raisin, which is a kind of hard combination uh, for the Zinfandel. Yeah, which is already an uneven ripener and then adding that on top of it. Yeah, I can imagine. So you guys have just sort of figured out, <clears throat> which is great, which is what everyone in, in the new world is doing is figuring out exactly what should be where according to your climate conditions and then you know, sometimes you got to do like uh, Sam's dad likes to do. You got to rip, rip out the vineyard and put in something that's <laughs> that you think should be there. Yeah, and and so going back to the reason Bootling came from Bell Valley and not Anderson Valley, um, before there was frost protection, there was other than apple trees, there was no agriculture on the valley floor because everything uh, froze. We had really hard hard frost in early May right on the valley floor, um, just a little bit um, up on the ridges. It was inversion layer and 75 degrees, beautiful. So the hops were up in Bell Valley because they couldn't freeze out uh, and all the wine grapes were planted on the ridges. Um, that western edge of the ridge was known as Eitzville because the Italian immigrants showed up in the 1870s and 80s and, and planted the grapes they brought. Um, a lot of red field selection, um, probably some Zinfandel. Um, that's probably where, is it, where the Duprat field selection came from, although it's not, not entirely known who brought it there and when, uh, but it's been grown there for a long time all on its own roots. Um, so if you had some of our 2016 Fash Hours in, you would be horn and baller fratty, which is to drink really good wine, because the fratty family, F-R-A-T-T-I, came and uh, planted their rootstocks and uh, could very well be part of that. Mm. Area that's a funny right, will you, because um, Anderson Valley Brewing, of course, it bring brought horn and barley uh, to common term, at least for beer drinkers. So that, that was a good one. Nice. Very nice. Good time is to have a ball, B-A-H-L. So y'all would be ballers with an H. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, Annie, working at Navarro, I like I kind of know Navarro as having, as sort of uh, specializing in white wines. Um, to, you know, is that, is that not, what have I, I've had it like Riesling or Gewürztraminer is something that I've typically had from Navarro? And Shannon? Navarro is famous for promoting California Gewürztraminer, uh, but they make a lot of wines. They make a, a Pinot Gris, Pinot Blanc, Chardonnay, Semillon Sauvignon Blanc, some Rhone whites. Um, I, after working at Navarro, I felt like I could make any, any varietal of wine. Um, maybe shouldn't, but I, but I feel like I can. And if Ali doesn't tell me not to, then I'd go ahead and do it. In fact, we're, try, we're trying to do a Cunois. Maybe, maybe we're picking Cunois tomorrow. Ooh, from where? Eagle Point Ranch. Eagle Point Ranch, sure. Okay. Um, we've, we've, we've been making Grenache from Eagle Point since 2014 and it's it's one of our 
Uh, Our 16 just got double gold from uh, Sunset Magazine. It just keeps on it's, winning. Our distributors say that that's the one wine that we have to keep making. Um, you know, people love to buy lots of Pinot, but the, the Semillon and the Grenache kind of set us apart. And so uh, we made Zinfandel <laughs> and uh, this year for the first time from Eagle Point. And uh, Roland Wenzel, who owns Eagle Point now, is trying to talk us into doing a Cunoise. Um, and I've never well, made a small on quinoise, so, uh, but I Can I you talk, oh, sorry, to, to, you know, everybody down here, or for the most part, we've all sort of thrown in the towel on this harvest, um, as far as, you know, with, with smoke and, and heat and everything, um, you know, there's, I, although today I saw grapes move in Bart again, um, so maybe people who have, like, figured out ways around smoke exposure um are still picking but sounds like that's not something that you guys are worried about did sort of i mean and i often was like you know every day you'd check the smoke maps and it seemed like that may have been a little pocket of clear air for the most part is that kind of the experience you guys have had in anderson valley this this you know since august mostly we had three days where it was smoky um where the the right after the lightning complex fires had burned to their maximum. It, it blew off into the Pacific and then kind of blew back. And we had that, those dark days where you could barely see the sun. Right. Um, but we only had to close the tasting room two days and we only had maybe two weeks not consecutive. And I kind of want to take those maps and inverse them. And instead of having the red everywhere, just put some green pockets so people knew um, that we were still doing all right. But um, in, in, out of respect for our neighbors, um, I wasn't going to do that because we're all in it together. And, and it, you're right, it has been a really hard year for so many people, but we didn't have to back out of any contracts. You know, part of what we are able to do is, you know, really find um, who, who we want to work with and, and continue to promote their grapes. And, and we've been really lucky this time, um, this time around. I think Andy faced fires in 08. That's when the last time Madison Valley, knock on wood, had their, um, their uh, pardon. That was a well-timed knock on wood. Right. <laughs> um, had their last little little bits of it, but um, by all means, it wasn't as uh, we didn't we weren't able to jump on some. Part of what we can do is is um, get some really awesome last-minute grapes uh, because of our shtick being bee hunting, uh, and that you know we weren't able to do as easily. Um, but yeah, Roland uh, up there at Eagle Point, uh, we got Zin, Grenache, and potentially now Kunwaz. That'll go into our baby J cuvee named after the mama, the mama dog. Well, and, and, and to be honest, Allie, um, I think at this point, as an industry, any positive, happy stories about, you know, avoiding it in, in 2020, and, and we all have, you know, sort of mixed bags, but... Um, that's that's wonderful to hear and, and by all means put that put that map out we'll share it um you know it's it is also sort of a, a reminder to all of us and both industry and you know consumer that um these aren't sort of uh, blanket situations um you know that even within fire zones it's it's dynamic and and ever-changing um so I'm truly happy to hear that um you know, you guys up in, in Anderson Valley have, have avoided much of what, you know, Napa and Sonoma and, and lots of other parts of the state have been dealing with. So yeah, good news. Very much wine country. And that's, you know, when people think of wine country, we love all parts of Napa and Sonoma. 
Um, and sometimes I, I want to make sure that um, the people that are traveling from Florida, I'm like, just come a little extra, just one extra hour and you'll find, you know, really what wine country is all about. You get to sit with the winemakers, you get to taste what they just, you know, in the barrel, you get to really see, you can point to the vineyard. It's a totally different experience. Um, not to say one's better than another, because I, I love the ways in which we're able to have uh, lots of high-end brands um, and sustain certain price points because of the, the accessibility to more people in Southern wine countries. But if you really want to get your feet a little dirtier and, uh, and see, you know, the grapes growing on the vine, super accessible, um, and have it be a price point that's a little, you know, more reasonable for everybody, then Anderson Valley really is a hidden gem. And I, I promote it just as much as possible without having too many cars on our one road in, one road out, essentially. Uh, you know, I mean, there was no doubt that a few years ago, the, the money in Napa Valley and to some extent Sonoma um, realized that there were some deals to be done up in Anderson Valley. And, um, you know, hopefully it's driven more people up there and given it a little more um, you know, more people coming up to visit, but hopefully it's also not going to be too much. So um, yeah, as long as the wine buyers for different locations, um, retail stores are doing great these days. People are definitely still buying wine. So long as they have like a valley section, I think that's a really helpful way to um, build that community feeling without having too many cars on the road. Yeah. Um, hey, Andy, did you ever um, uh, know um, Alan York from the Apple Farm? Yeah, I know Alan. Uh, yeah, I, I, I knew Alan from when I worked at Benziger, and um, he used to talk fondly about his years at the Apple Farm and stuff. Um, so anyway, I'm just curious, you know, if you, if, you knew, uh, if you knew him. Yeah, he's a little older than I am, but definitely um, it's a small community, and, and we, do, we do have a nice community that, that, that rallies together. Cool. And you right, can good. do Sorry. the honor system. You can buy apples and apple juice and jams and all sorts of things there at the Apple Farm, and you just write it down on a ledger and you put your money in, in the box. It, it's, you know, that's the kind of community that, that we get to be a part of still. We leave the keys in the car. I guess I shouldn't say that too loudly, but. Uh-oh, now you've got that. <laughs> what, do you, what do you drive? I mean, wait, wait, we saw, don't, we saw what they were driving out front. There's two Porsches parked out there. <laughs> we have a lot of stores, so we. Now we do. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's awesome. And then, so you guys have never worked with Kunwaz before. The, uh, it's funny you're, you're, that it's that vineyard you're working with. So I was a, um, used to work at the Girl in the Fig, and we only did Rhone varietals. And so we actually, Cunoise was one of my, um, Cunoise and Pickpool were kind of my obsessions because I liked that they were off the beaten path and you could turn people on to things that they had never had before. And so we decided to have a wine made for ex exclusively for the Girl in the Fig, and we did a Cunoise, and we actually named it Say What? was the name of the label because every time I would say Kunwa's, people would say, what? <laughs> and so uh, Sebastian Donoso, who at the time was at Campo Vida, but is now I think at Bonterra, um, made a Kunwa's for us from Eagle Point Ranch and it was awesome. So the Say What Kunwa was Eagle Point Ranch. Yeah, I st it's one of my favorite t-shirts is I still have that label, Say What Kunwa's uh, t-shirt. But I think it's a thick skinned grape too. Um, yeah, it's but it's not darker. Like no. uh, it's more, it's grapey. I think is tasting the fruit. I get this, uh, this grapiness, which I um I'm gonna have to do a little uh, mental, mental uh, acrobatics to figure out how I'm gonna make this one into a into a 
a wine that fits our portfolio because most of our wines are more bright acidity, um, nice tannin structure, uh, food wines. Um, but I'm glad to hear that you have that. Was it, did the savory come up in the in the Kunwas? For sure. And I think it's even nice with at cellar temp, like not chilled, but like at cellar temp. And it was a great food wine. Will, will you guys um, sort of go through the the what varietals you be hunting? Um, you know, what 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 does the bee hunter lineup look like sort of year to year? And, and um, I know it's probably a variable thing if you're out, you'd be hunting for different things. So um, kind of what you focus on or what you love, what are some of the mainstays? Obviously, I got to find a bottle of this Grenache, uh, to say the least. So, um, again, because I learned to make wine at Navarro and I know all these grape growers from Anderson Valley and, and surrounding, um, we do have some, some grapes from over the hill in Ukiah Valley. Um, we got some Carignan, plus Eagle Point, uh, but mainly it's, it's Anderson Valley plus even, even farther in the Mendocino Ridge, Hurley and Mariah and Signal Ridge. Um, it, um, we have lots of wines. So uh, our white wines are Semillon Sauvignon Blanc Chardonnay. Uh, we make dry Riesling, sweet Riesling. Pinot Gris. Pinot Gris. Uh, I think that's what, that's what we have right now for whites. Uh, we make a rosé of Pinot Noir, uh, which I love. Love a good Pinot Noir rosé. It's, it's tough to make it and sell it because I'm buying grapes at Pinot Noir prices. And then when I put it at $32, people look at me like I'm trying to cheat them out of something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go for it. I have, a 50, I have a $50 Grenache Rosé, so. Okay, good. Thank, thank you for the permission. I'm providing you some cover. Uh, and we're selling out of it, but we, we, I did have one lady who had dinner at the Bewildered Pig, which is amazing, but she, she and her husband probably spent many hundreds of dollars for dinner and had a glass of our Rosé and came in to order a case, and when she found out it was $32 a bottle, she slammed the door and left. First of all, I'm and at first I was angry, but then I was like, maybe I'm onto something. <laughs> <laughs> and so then after the rosés in, in red, we have maybe 10 Pinot Noirs. Uh, wow. that's our area. And every Pinot Noir is different. Because when I was coming here, I, I was truly stoked to be coming to Alexander Valley, which is a mistake that many people make. Um, and when I found out that I was indeed coming to Anderson Valley, I was like, oh, I mean, I love... Pinot instead of Cab. So there are a few Pinot Noirs for my homies that aren't from around here that want to have a little bit more depth to their Pinot. But um, my style is a little different. I like to um, play the anthem ballads that everybody wants to hear, um, kind of like pop music for wine. And Andy is like, no way, we're not doing this. I want it to taste exactly the way it grows on the vine. So he'll be in the corner of the room speaking in hushed tones with Psalms and other winemakers who have no budget for buying any wine, but they're going to write us up in amazing uh, works of art. And then I'll Hi, be hand over fist <laughs> providing wines to the purchasers and the purchasers' families and um, doing amazing deals so that uh, we can create a bridge to the um, everyday wine drinker and to the, the expert. And it continues Grenache, Zin, Syrah, and um, we had a cab we sold out. We're having a new cab coming up. 
and then our blends. Uh, our first JJ Cuvée was um, Carignan, Merlot, and Grenache. And our second one is Pinot Noir, Zin, and Syrah. And our next one will probably be Zin, Carignan, or Zin Grenache, and Cunoise. So we won't call it Say What. Maybe we can play off of that. <laughs> right. And so a bootling way of saying that, right? <laughs> And so who, it's, is it a true partnership? I mean, you guys, who gets final decision on what's being made and stylistically how it's being done? The dogs. <laughs> yeah, they have to get dog food. So uh, it does come down to, you know, we try really hard to, when I first met Andy, I was like, what a genius. How would I make it possible for him to continue to play all day and, and, and be able to sell this stuff. So it, it does come down to a bit of a click and clack show or Boris and Natasha, as you guys said earlier, or whatever, <laughs> a winkle. But um, so we, he, Andy always has the final say. He is the, uh, the genius behind the wines, but if we can't sell it, then he's sitting there like, you know, Scrooge McDuck or whatever, just swimming around in, in the piles of grapes. So. Um, that's not, not going to work. We all know, you know, that it's easy-ish to uh, make the wine. It's selling the wine that you really have to have um, a little more uh, thought that goes into who's going to buy it and why. Um, and is it going to be able to sustain our craft and our hobby? So I made him promise to keep it a hobby. And he took that to mean he could go run wild. So we do have 35, 37 SKUs. But... <laughs> Many of them do better in different locations. So we have our LA distributor that has certain wines that do great in LA. And we have, and, and he also is in Las Vegas. So we have our Florida people, we have our local people. And so we really can kind of tailor, if you can't find something on our list that uh, you like, then you, you don't like wine. You know, we have some. Right. Uh, but even if you don't like wine, there's a late harvest Riesling that I take to my grandma's house. And, and that's, she's like, you got that little bottle for me? And so. <laughs> And speaking of the late harvest Riesling, um, I'm no sneaky seller technique so that I can get what I want. We, we have a, a dry Riesling and she wanted it to be bone dry. And I was like, let's have it dry, dry, not bone dry. Um, Everyone asks, what's the residual sugar? And they want to hear 0 0.00. That's what they that's want. That's not what they want to taste. Right. So I just had the cross flow guy do the sweet Riesling first and told him not to rinse out the filter between the two. So we got 0.6. Sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> and we almost sold out and also got double gold. <laughs> That's right. She's <laughs> muting herself. Look, we're having yeah. a got, got double gold for the SF Chronicle and you know people loved it. But it is a dry reason from, from 2014. Our um, rose Pinot Noir is from 2015. So that's the other thing that we could speak to, which is that um, we we really like to age our wines. Our um, our Oppenlander Pinot Noir is from 2013, still on our list. So our Pinot Noir uh, flight right now that we're sending to our October Club members, they get to have two verticals, too many verticals. They have Opa 2013, 14, and 15, and then they have Docker Hill, which is the hill overlooking um, the Comchi Vineyard Openlander, and they have 14, 15, 16. So in some ways, it's like, whoa, you know, what are you doing from a marketing standpoint? How are you able to, to do this financially? And the rest is like, where else are you going to find a couple of knucklehead nerds that go hunting around for some really cool vineyards and allow you to taste each vintage? So we're kind of finding a niche 
um, in that regard. And we do it together. I'm in the grapes with him. But yes, the final say and the sneaky behaviors are definitely a la Andy. So where, so where are you making the wine at, Andy? Are you guys, is that where you guys are at now in that room with the garage door? No, this is uh, maybe one day, this is um, the only architectural building in Boonville. Used to be a Studebaker dealership. Easy to say, huh? Yeah. Wow. Um, and the, the gentleman who started Baylow Vineyards bought it and completely redid it, an amazing job. Poured lots of money into it and then kind of got distracted and wandered off. So we have this space here, the back is open. We'll see what happens to it, but right now, um, our type two is at Lycan. In, okay. in, um, His nephew though is still here and he has a vineyard logistics company. Um, and so we're able to, he's from Ardmore, Pennsylvania where I actually grew up. Um, yeah, I, you know, I know D Doug, Doug Stewart's from Sonoma. He's an old Sonoma guy. So yeah, I, I know Doug well. Yes. And Doug, Doug had Brago, right? That's right. <laughs> Doug's, Doug's been done very good at like creating businesses and then selling them and moving on to other businesses. He's um, pr pretty interesting to, when he had the, uh, the ice cream company that only came from, came from ingredients used from only found in Ecuador or something. Um, anyway, I'm distracted. <laughs> Sounds and, like a dope smoker, Bart. <laughs> no, put it no, he's a Stanford guy. Super genius. So, okay, could it could have gone two ways? Either super genius or dope smoker. Sometimes there's a there's a crossover. Favorite guy means he's got fancy drugs. <laughs> That's right. And, and hey, you guys, careful. We're among a mathematician here, so right. <laughs> and I, the, I stand by my previous statements. <laughs> he was born in a fairy circle in Anderson Valley. I think we're probably in safe territory here. <laughs> Thumbs, and up. As, thumbs, thumbs up from Andy. <laughs> and, and as far as having the, the wine age that long, is it is it typical for you guys to do a little bit more extended aging in barrel or in bottle or in both? Because we know people that like to do a little bit longer in barrel and then seem to release it after they bottle fairly soon. And then some people that don't do so long in the barrel but like to sit on the sit on the wine after it's bottled for like a year or two. It's I, both. But but I like barrel aging. I really do. I think the, the way we're making the wine, the barrel aging is the most important component. So all the reds are at least two years and sometimes three or four years in barrel. Wow. Um, so we're, we're, you know, our, our Riesling was completely stainless. And so that was all bottle age. But Riesling is a special case. And it, it really took that long to bring up all of those amazing Riesling esters that, that if, if I now slip that into a competition, no one knows that it's New World Riesling. Wow. And where's the Riesling coming? Because, you know, one of my favorite wines of the pandemic, and I've hyped it a lot, is uh, the Coal Ranch Riesling that our friends um, Cody and Emily Rasmussen made, uh, Desire Lines wines. Um, and I've, so I'm all about Coal Ranch Riesling, and I know that's sort of your neck of the woods. Um, where, are you, where are you getting the Riesling from? The Riesling we have now, the 14 Dry and uh, Late Harvest Sweet, are from Greenwood Ridge. Now, which is an, another winery up there, right? I mean, they're, they're still around, right, Greenwood Ridge? So the, the, the ranch itself is controlled by Alan's older brother, and I guess he's selling the grapes, um, and Greenwood Ridge sold to Wilson family. Uh, Seriously? 
<laughs> See, Anderson Valley's going downhill, right? <laughs> totally been found out. <laughs> Time to move further north and further west and just make wine in the ocean. Have they put up the sign that says 99 gold medals and other things? <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah. That's what happens though, right? I mean, at first, you know, Lodi is where you're getting cheap grapes from. And then all of a sudden people, you know, you got Tegan Pasolacqua making killer wines out of there. And then people are like, oh, we need to check out Lodi. And then Clarksburg, you're like, oh, I can get some cheap Chenin Blanc. And then all of a sudden people start making really good wines out of it. And then it's like, oh, we should move our operation to Clarksburg. I mean, but, but Anderson Valley has always been like, people into wine have known about Anderson Valley for decades. Yeah. And, and, and it, it, I mean, it's really, it's really done well and, and continuing to do well without a doubt. Let's face it. Um, I just, I hadn't realized that the Greenwood Ridge was gone. That's a bummer. That's another place that we used to stop as an adult going to our family. Yeah. And, and we used to get grapes from Wiley Vineyards and those are, those are locked up from, for us to buy. And we have a number of vineyards that we can no longer get. You know, you make a great wine, you get a great score, and suddenly uh, two years later, the grapes aren't available. And that's just how it is. It's, it's funny because working at larger wineries, there were times where we were getting grapes from a vineyard and doing really well with it, do a vineyard designate with it. And then the next thing you know, the winery is, the vineyard is making their own wine and, and they're taking your block and asking you to take it from somewhere else. Oh, sorry, Sam, does that ever happen? Do you know? I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. <laughs> But that's also part of why it's really fun to, to continue to talk about bee hunting. Because like, what is life, right? Like what, who belongs, what belongs to whom? And, and it's really kind of fun to be like, you know, those, those people that set the trend. And, and then it, it ends up being like an architectural, archaeological dig, you know, where you're able to just kind of like, oh yeah, that goes to here, goes to there. And it, for for all y'all, um, you know, sitting down with us over dinner, we could get into all sorts of really fun history of where one got to another, got to another, and and that's kind of why the wine world is so exciting to me, and and why I've chosen to to stay a part of it is because it's so much more than just wine. It's really it's history, it's geography, it's geology, it's you know chemistry, it's all these different fun things. And my background is in science education. And in a way, I kind of get a chance to sit down and educate people about science and be educated because, you know, these are just grapes. It's just rotten, rotten grapes. And the fact that people care that much about, you know, fermentation in a bottle, you know, all of our wines are unfined, unfiltered, you know, so like how much fun can we have discussing the alchemy um, of our wine? So it, it does open up to, to a deeper discussion and in vino veritas, as they say. Sam, what was your uh, tweet the other day? Oh, it was the uh, like describe poorly describe what you do for a living, and I said uh, I sell spoiled fruit juice by talking about rocks. I think it's anonymous. Yeah, uh, I mean, and that's right. I mean, this is um, you know at its simplest and dirtiest, that's what it is. But um, will you talk a little bit, Ali, about um, what how you made that transition from science and education into into wine and kind of what what made that spark sure i call it turning water into wine because i was mostly in marine science in florida and i almost left all of this this time last year to go work on a project called physio shark which is all about shark physiology in morea because you know french polynesia <laughs> mic drop you just all you have to do is 
you know, see that water. Um, Andy did end up coming and uh, visiting. We went around and then he dragged me back to winemaking. No, no, it was a, it was a consensual decision. Um, uh, we didn't even have to go to Bora Bora. We were able to go to some really hidden, beautiful places and the sharks are um, protected there. So my friends on the Great Barrier Reef and at Otaga in New Zealand, um, we were able to have a really wonderful uh, time too because we got this Trident underwater drone that uh, we were able to, to get data from. So I feel like I was able to live out a little bit more of my marine science dreams last year. And I found out that being a science researcher uh, is challenging in all the ways you'd expect. But in some ways I learned that as soon as you figure something out, you ask another question and you have to get your grant and then you have to answer that question. Then you really quickly have to get another grant, ask another question. So when it comes to winemaking, um, you make your your product and yes there's challenges and then you sell your product and you're like hey you know let me relax for a quick second because it's a seasonal uh you at least get what january off maybe february and um i was able to come home with a newfound appreciation for the the wine portion of my science but yeah i was in florida i graduated from new college where they had no grades and i thought what am i gonna do with this degree where you know i'm not a teacher or a you know, whatever directly. Um, so I worked at aquariums and at science museums and I created curriculum for uh, middle school students and teachers. And part of me now is wishing that I had gone maybe into doing some video game type curriculum because man, that would have been an angle. Uh, I could still potentially, my friends that work at video game companies, I'm like, so I make wine and you work for, you know, Call of Duty. If we want to escape hell, we should probably do something with <laughs> with uh, my curriculum development skills and your ability to get people hooked on uh, on things digitally. So um, that's still maybe another aside that I might jump into, but the, the seasonal aspects of wine um, were very attractive to me because having a little bit of time off to go and live and then come right back to appreciate nature. I think that's kind of how the transition happened. Plus I was a party girl. I loved, you know, going to parties and drinking and carrying on. So that was an easy transition. And, and I love the people that love wine because they're nerdy and they're quirky and they're fun. Yeah. Hey, can I ask a question about sharks? I just heard recently on NPR that there's something that, that we're harvesting from sharks. I don't know if it's the liver. There's something and it's associated with vaccine development. And so they're, they're really concerned with developing vaccines for COVID that they're going to be killing all these sharks for some reason. Huh. Well, you know, I don't know that exactly. I can find out and maybe Andy can speak to it, but um, my, my dear friend and mentor, Jody Rummer, um, who does Physio Shark, she's, I'm sure, up to all of that data um, at James Cook University. And so, yeah, I can ask Jody it, and, and get back to you. It's shark blood. They're, they're pulling some of the, um, the protein binding structures out of the shark blood. And so they've sometimes they're taking the shark and they'll pump this out of it and like clean its blood of, of this and then release them but other times they're just killing the shark so weird and then so in in off season when you guys say off season what are you doing in the off season are you going skiing are you heading to tropical islands we're going to florida to sell wine we're going to las vegas to sell wine we're going to la to sell wine we're going to hawaii to sell wine although now with the uh, with the pandemic i'm not sure what we're doing <laughs> we might be sheltering in place and learning to play um 
No, so, I'm not going to stay here. Dude. I, I was going to say, okay. I, I, to me like those are all places where you're going to party. And if you sell your some wine while you're there, that yeah. works. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> there's some sort of tax benefit or something yeah. <laughs> using that corporate card. Yeah. Again, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my dad moved to Belarus, my dad and my grandmother, and then my littlest brother is in Switzerland. And so if I don't get to see them at least once every two years, then I start to feel a little lonely. So we try to incorporate a little bit of that. You know, going to Europe in the winter is a little less expensive. And especially if we're going to be just hanging out, cooking with family, then um, it's really nice to be able to, to spend a little bit of that cozy time with them. And then I was an exchange student in Holland with the Rotary Club, which I love the Rotarians. Um, they changed my life twice. I learned all about wine because I went with them to France, to Brittany, which uh, is kind of similar to here. Um, and so uh, when I get a chance, I like to go see my host family in Holland. So a lot of international travel when we're allowed to, but uh, Switzerland, it seems like is a yes. We'd go back to French Polynesia and study the sharks or at least the beautiful waters. But I think uh, we haven't decided yet. We'll kind of see how, how it goes. And what is life like right now in Anderson Valley? Like, are you guys are obviously doing outdoor tastings. Are you, are you doing, are you able to um, eat inside anywhere there? No, we're still in, in uh, stage one. Um, okay. And unlike, that's unlikely to change uh, for a while, I think. If you look at what the clusters of where our COVID cases are, it's um, a lot of um, packed housing in Ukiah Valley, ag workers, um, and you know we're at we're at over eight percent um, positive positivity, and we're at it's almost seven per hundred thousand. So it's going to be a while, and I'm not sure uh, what it's going to look like. We're lucky we have uh, a beautiful outdoor bonded space. Not everyone can say that. Um, yeah. It'll be a little bit, you know, it's beautiful. Right now it's lovely. There's yellow Indian leaves and, and, um, and we go on COVID testing dates. So every week we well, go to Ukiah. But that doesn't let us open we, earlier. So no. we'll see. There's a big open space in the back. Um, if we can get indoor, indoor tasting with, with large spacing, um, and then we can, you know, try ABC has been really good about expanding our bonds to cover this. So, um, if, if Mendocino County lets us, which would be the hope at some point, then we'll expand into the, into the space in the back. And that's beautiful and wide open right now and, and would be a great tasting space. Um, it literally is a big open bare wood um, sort of quasi-industrial space with, with nothing there, beautiful concrete floors. So that's the hope for now. Um, our outdoor space is plenty um, and hopefully they'll let us come inside at, at some point. And when people ask, like, how are you surviving all of this in 2020? I'm like, well, Mendocino, people were still coming in hordes. Like, people that would normally go traveling, they were like, huh, there's a place I've always wanted to go but never quite made the time for. So they would, they would come through 128 and come to the coast a lot, and they would be in their RVs. And uh, so we got a lot more traffic this summer because of that. And I was like, to a lot of people, six feet is a little bit close, don't you think? Like people are really isolated out here and know how to do it well. So for me personally, it hasn't been that much of a change, except our, you know, dates now include going and uh, having someone pick our noses for us. But other than that, it's um, it's pretty easy, you know, with with the na nature out here the way it is in the Indian summer now with the weather, it's pretty ideal. 
but and I like to joke that we haven't even told my father about COVID yet. <laughs> and so, so what percentage of your wine goes to wine club members or, or uh, direct to consumer as opposed to um, out there in the market? So that has shifted. COVID has shifted that. Like we focused, our distribution had been entirely focused on on-premise and our, our local restaurants um, we're, we're selling about a quarter of our wine locally to restaurants in Northern California and that's dropped off quite a bit um, and I expect it could drop off a lot more. On the coast there's been lots of wine sales, everyone wants to come to the coast, all the inns are full, all the, they have outdoor, outdoor seating and they're selling lots of wine. Um, so before COVID it was about a quarter was, was out of the tasting room, a quarter direct to consumer quarter through distribution, mostly to restaurants and a quarter of our own restaurant accounts in Northern California. Um, at this point, I would say we're about 65% direct to consumer um, wow. through the tasting room and through our, our wine club. Um, and we've started saying yes to people who want to carry our wine in stores. We hadn't, um, we're, we have our wine in Sonoma, Sonoma wine shop. We have it at Andy's market. Um, we have it at a, couple places down bottle south barn. um but wait we, wait 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 what do you got at bottle barn because i'm <laughs> I, i'm a weekly visitor <laughs> hi barry we love you um so our pinot gris the one that just won the uh the award from sunset magazine biodynamic maybe, organic maybe reselling or do they sell out i don't know might be the reason we're not good too. at following up on our, but they, on our they have, accounts and yeah they have our anderson valley um uh, section there. So I know that Courtney, um, who does the ABWA here for our um, Appalachian, she's been um, trying really hard just to make sure that we have a nice little section that represents us. So you can go and find the Anna's Valley section and find some Behinder wines there and do let us know if they're running low so we can drop some off to them. I'll, I'll do exactly what I do with Bart is I go and I take pictures of his bins so that he can see how many bottles are left and when he needs to call Barry. That's awesome. Thank you. And if they have some Riesling, Brian, get me some Riesling. <laughs> okay. I want to. I want to try the 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 dry Riesling. We we might have to make a trip. Okay. How how far is it? Like if I'm leaving, I'm, I live right by Sonoma State right now. So if I left my house right now, how long would it take to get to your to your uh, where you guys are? A little bit. Uh, about an hour. Maybe a little okay. less. Okay. You drive. Your Costco is where we get our, our daily bread. So the, the Santa Rosa Costco is how we feed ourselves. Okay. It's not that far. Yeah, it's really not that far. I, I know when I was coming up through the ranks, there would be jobs that would come up in Anderson Valley. And if you were young and thinking you wanted to move on to another winery, you'd go, hey, that's, that looks like that could be an opportunity. And then you'd go, but you have to live in the Anderson Valley because at the time you wanted to be close to San Francisco or, you know, close to whatever it was. And, um, but it's, it's really not that far. It's just that windy road getting there. That's, that's about getting back. That's the problem after drinking all the wine. And that's the other thing. It's the reason to go up and stay overnight and then come back the next day. So. And we can always ship wine to people. I mean, I know that it's not nearly as much fun as coming here yourselves. But, you know, during dawn and dusk, there's always lots of animals. So watch out for them because they were here first and they still like to come down to where the rivers are to, to drink yeah. and the road. So. And we've given in and started doing Zoom tastings. 
Wait, so so initially you were against it, but then decided you you would do some? Uh, I was He's reluctant. Shy. I'm not a big Zoom fan. Sorry, Zoom. Yeah. Yeah, they are literally listening as we speak right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the, you know what? What the three of us and John Myers, who who isn't on today, what we really enjoyed was, you know, this this podcast started because we all did a radio show at one point together and liked the liked hanging out with each other and drinking wine, and so we we started the podcast and we liked getting together in person, and you know there would always be you know six to ten bottles of wine on the table and and uh, you know trying different stuff and and it's such a different thing on zoom i can't say that i'm a fan of zoom but i'm glad that we got to continue to do the show um because of zoom but yeah we really miss being in a room together with a bunch of wines open and just shooting the shit and and talking about stupid stuff um this is it's just not quite the same but it's interesting how people have kind of gotten used to it like initially when this all went down you would you know, I was worried about the sound quality, but now even like on CNN, they have someone coming in from Skype or Zoom or Microsoft Teams or whatever, and you've sort of gotten used to the picture being kind of wavy or, or um, you know, freeze framing or the sound quality not being as good. It's funny how people have kind of gotten used to that. And, you know, in this time of widescreen televisions with, you know, super HD, we it's kind of like put us back into the 70s or something well it's like it's like florida where you have the reporter inside the hurricane and you can barely hear them it's part of the effect <laughs> yeah, right we're all talking in a out of a can <laughs> you guys could still um do similar things here on our on our lanai you know i should not you know dissuade you i'm not going to ship you any wines you do definitely have to come down here and do a full tasting here with us <laughs> be nice uh, at least yeah. until the rains come in mid late November next week. <laughs> we, um, we we every once in a while we talk about you know is it time for is it okay for us to all get together and sit apart from each other in the same room and we just haven't done it yet and um, be outside. You know, be outside. It, we just did one at the Sausalito Women's Club um, and we had our table and they had their chairs and they were separate and we had one person that was just with gloves and a mask taking the wines to them. And it was the second time I had done an event uh, since uh, this year. And one was at the Pasatiempo golf course and that worked out well. Everyone had their own tables, their own pods. And I had my table far away. And then uh, same thing with this last one. We brought our own lighting and it was, it was delightful. It, it, it was made people back out from wherever they had been hiding and, and live you know, similarly to how they used to live before. And was that something that was put on by your distributor in that area or um, just a group of friends or how did that come about? There's a lady named Jill Hoffman that I, um, we met at a tasting, she tasted our wines and she hand chooses her favorite wines. She has maybe like four or five wineries she works with and it's her private wine club called Corks and I, I, she's there in Sausalito. So she's uh, also connected me to the Hivery, which is a female um, co-working space down uh, in Mill Valley. So um, she's been an advocate for our brand for a couple years now. Cool. Seems like the bee hunter should be part of the ivory kind of for sure. There, right? <laughs> and so speaking about you know shipping wine to people, why don't you tell people your um, your uh, web address so they can go on the website and check out your selections? And if you want to talk about, or if you don't, the I saw some pretty cool specials that you were doing on your website. 
So you be hunting for the website is the easiest way to try to remember what it is. It's beehunterwine.com, B-E-E, beehunterwine.com. And it's, of course, on Instagram at beehunterwine and on Facebook and on Twitter and all the places. Uh, Even a TikTok and a YouTube. Our YouTube channel is hilarious. You have me and Andy dressing up as like fuzzy sheep. And for those... (laughs) For the, yeah, it's, you should really go to the YouTube wine just because it will lighten uh, <laughs> And uh, our friend, John Osborne, we call him Osborne, because eh? he's doing an Italian film right now. He films for us. And um, uh, anyhow, so we did have some really inexpensive uh, wine deals that got us through the summer. And so we aren't um, promoting them as widely as we were before, but they do still kind of sort of hush hush exist. And that is for our 2015 organically grown seven for our 2017 Rosé of Pinot Noir and for our JJ Cuvée 2014, they are at $100 a case. So you can email us, um, you can text uh, to message us on line um beehunterwine.com and uh you can of course drive by here and pick up your case so what would normally be a 24 dollar bottle of wine you're getting for 850 uh and that is an homage to the people that we know might be going um to their local store and getting wine that maybe isn't as great as ours or uh, they didn't you know know that they could get something like anderson valley quality for that price. And um, it really is for my Florida friends because they need to have that taste in their mouth with the bright acidity, with the dynamic flavors. And it it oftentimes is gonna be a more expensive bottle that allows you to have that. And so mostly it's selfish. I don't have to explain to everybody why why they should choose a more um, complex wine. They can taste the difference. And once you go that direction, it's really hard to 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 come back from there so it's kind of like a psa to anybody that wants to try bee hunter wine hop online and um they won't be able to buy it directly on the website so you'll have to let us know and then we can ship it to you i was able to justify it because we were selling wine btg at you know around that price point and and taking it as a loss leader um and then you know those accounts all stopped you know every every btg program stopped at some point so i was able to be talked into it. Except for Little River Inn. We've been uh, on their By the Glass Pinot Noir um, wine for like two years now. And the Sauvignon Blancs at Noyo Noyo. So we have some nice, really local people that love our wines and we do get um, their customers coming in and stopping by the tasting room. So that's been lovely. Yeah, yeah that's amazing. To, for those listening right now, to go on and, and check out the wines that they're talking about, um, to get for 300 bucks, ship three cases to your house of amazing wine. It's like, what an introduction to the winery. I mean, <laughs> that's incredible. Share with your friends, spread it around the neighborhood. And you know, right. that, uh, uh, you know, frankly, Andy and Allie, I, I did something very similar with 16600 this spring and summers, you know, take the wine that's usually going to buy the glass programs or, you know, sold through wholesale or distributors and, basically release that at a price similar to your mailing list and, you know, provide some deals, move some inventory and kind of makes everybody happy. I think that that's, um, you know, one of the sort of lessons that we've all learned from this experience in the wine business is, um, 
you know, to get creative and to, you know, work with your customers, appreciate your customers in those ways. So I think that, uh, again, providing you cover on your, uh, you know, on your, on your, your deals with, uh, what we're doing here. I think it's, it's not only is it smart, I think it's, um, it's good for your customers. People, people want to, um, drink our wines and they're not going to restaurants and spending that money. Um, so might as well get it to them at those kinds of prices. I'm, I'm all for it. My favorite part that I was able to do for the community was that the, the daughters um, that would be kind of like at home with their kids and their families, they would ask their mom to come through and pick up one of the cases on their way to visit. And then they'd hang out as family, you know, obviously they'd have dinner, they'd have a rosé or Sauvignon Blanc on the porch or they'd have the red with the family and they'd come back through the mothers and be like, so can I get that same deal my daughter had? So it was really (laughs) becoming, you know, a household name. Um, And it was my honor to be able to provide that to people that, needed it, you know? So um, by all means now is the time for wine club. So we have a white wine club, a red wine club, a Pinot, a Buddha, which is one, one with everything. So that's 12, 12 bottles and that ships twice a year. So we kind of backed away from those $100 case deals. But um, when, whenever I'm given the green light to do that again, it was a pleasure. It was fun to make people that happy. Um, but, you know, our brand is a high quality brand. And so we have yeah. to be well, we, sold out of all those ones. we did sell out almost of, of all of them. We only have a few back for the library for people that, um, you know, are like part of the club and, and want to continue to get that for them. Yeah, I can tell you as a daily wine drinker, sometimes I get upset with, with these guys because I, I, I can't, I want to drink a good, I drink a bottle of wine a day. I want to drink a good bottle of wine, but I can't spend, you know, 50 bucks every day it's like a smoker. Like if you told a smoker who smokes a pack a day that it was, it's almost there actually to 50 bucks, but, but that it's going to be $50 for a pack of smokes. They'd still do it, but they're not going to be happy with it. That it's, I, and that's part of the thing though, with, with getting wines here locally. And I'm going through the same thing right now. Bart and I talked yesterday. I'm, um, I made wine last year. Um, and I'm, I'm going through the label process now. And now is the first time label getting a label made for the first time I like had to choke down the cost of getting the label design and getting it approved by TTB and people don't realize then when you add up the glass the corks the foils the labels the I mean everything a to z like how to foils are you how no I'm not going to use foils I'm so anti-foil and I'm not doing wax either Sam Um, I, (laughs) I, I just don't know how people like you know, you end up drinking um, wines from Spain, Italy, France, or something that you get because I, I don't know. I have no idea how they get their prices down so low. I think it's you know part of it is maybe their the land has been in the family for like several generations or something. I mean, just here in the New World, it's just not possible to to make wines at that price unless you're doing it on a huge commercial scale. So, wait. so does that mean you're going to be buying a whole bunch of our hundred dollar cases, Brian, are are we sending those to you? I am going to Bottle Barn, as a matter of fact, (laughs) and I will be getting your wine from Bottle Barn because I get, I think the prices are super fair at Bottle Barn. I usually walk in with about a hundred dollars and I see whatever, you know, what I can get for my hundred dollars because I'm, I don't bring a debit card or a credit card because I will go crazy. So I bring a specific amount of cash and then I try and get whatever I can out of there with that amount of money. And usually it's, it's, you know, it's generally three to four bottles. So it's, 
<laughs> you can do the math and figure out what the price range ends up being. That Pinot Gris is somewhere right around uh, 28 retail at our um, place. So I'm not mm -hmm. sure we have it there, it's but probably, like 24 something. probably right around there. Yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. That's my wheelhouse. <laughs> All right, guys. And you want to talk about any promotions, uh, anything you guys are doing uh, over the next month or two, or are you just going to be finishing up wine and then um, planning vacay? Well, we used to do a lot of charity events and part of uh, the way that we would do donations, we were the winemaker, wine providers for Bioneers. That would have been this past weekend um, for SOCAP, for a whole bunch of things that, you know, aren't necessarily happening in the same ways anymore. So we used to always do like in-home tastings. We would bring the wine to the people and um, it was able to generate a lot of revenue for some really amazing, um, the SF Girls Choir, like a lot of really cool um, programs, the NRDC, we got to have our wines in front of Nancy Pelosi. So, I mean, there was a whole bunch of, you know, fun things that we um, don't necessarily do the same way now. So what I would rather um, people know is that they can always ask to tour some vineyards with us. You know, those are still available. And because we have so many vineyards and uh, wine growers that we work with, they love it. You know, just later on today, um, the West Company here in Ukiah is going to be featuring us because we do a lot of work with them. And we're going to be touring a vineyard and they get to see, you know, the, the wine growers stoked because um, they care so much about their land. And then the wine consumer gets a, a chance to, to, to see where their wine comes from. And I think being the, the educator, at heart, you know, you can talk into your blue in the face, you can write all about it and read all about it, but until you're standing there and you're seeing why the wine is gonna taste different on a slope or why, what direction it's, it's towards the sun, you know, until you're walking in the trail and smelling the smells and tasting the fruit, it doesn't really hit home as, as well. So I would say, reach out to us, you know, when you know that you're gonna be coming through or if you're looking for a place to go, um, we're pretty accessible, we're pretty busy, so we should schedule it, but, um, you have a couple of, of winemakers here at your disposal um, that, that we're happy to share our passions with other enthusiasts. That's awesome. You know, I, I keep talking about next year starting a, a tour company that specifically goes into vineyards. I don't, I, I would love to have a tour company where I take people to three different vineyard sites and never go inside of a tasting room where it's just drinking the wine in the vineyard. And I know there's some legal challenges here we sort of talked about, but you're right. There's nothing like being in the middle of the vineyard, drinking the wine and actually seeing the grapes, seeing the soil, seeing the climate conditions. It just, it creates, and the memory that it creates is so much broader, so much bigger. It's imprinted so much more than being in a tasting house and looking at, you know, pictures on the wall, um, that whole experience. And that's what, that's what people want now. They want to experiences. Um, and you know, that's a huge part of what people want in the, in when they, people, when they come here to visit, they want an experience, not just going and tasting the wine at a counter. Um, they, they want to take those trips out and especially if they can do it with the people that are actually making the wine, that's amazing. Yeah. And you know, you can dress up or dress down or whatever, but you know, depending on the season, we can do it all different times. And there's even one uh, vineyard that's called Broken Leg and you can talk all about it. How amazing this vineyard is because it's really quite extraordinary but until you're standing there you're like oh yeah i gotta be careful i could really break my leg on this vineyard because that's exactly why it's named that uh, yep. the you know steve broke his leg so um 
it's, you know, those kinds of things that really drive it home. It's not just name dropping or this, you know, fancy schmancy stuff. It's super accessible. And then when you taste it, you're like, ah, it all comes full circle. And I think, you know, the, the, the true um, lesson in all of this to us is mother nature, right? And so we, we have to address that by embracing her and, and being there in the vineyard is part of that. So we can sit at home and and make sure that we're choosing vineyards that do it right you know that's why we try to find the best vineyards that we can um and have that kind of be you know our dogma right Right. and so i would recommend to our listeners if you're going to be coming here in the area make the extra drive if you want to just buy wine online you can uh, check out their website um ehunterwine.com yep there you go. And I want to thank my brother-in-law for hooking me up with you guys. That was super cool. Anya. Yeah, yeah, and, and Anya, and they're really into wine. Um, Come back and visit. <laughs> you can read more back of my grandmother's pictures to me. That's that. right. Tom, Tom will definitely be listening to this show, so he's going to love it. Sam, do you want just quickly want to talk about what you were drinking there? Yeah, well, first of all, I, I want to say just like now that I think about it, um, the three shows that we've done featuring Anderson Valley wineries would make a great day and, and going up there, you know, bee hunter, uh, you know, alley, uh, the other alley in the, that Valley, um, Smith story and, and Handley sellers, sort of the, the legacy of those. So, um, definitely, you know, if you're coming here, um, it's worth spending a day up there, spend the night, eat at a restaurant, go to the coast and then come back down. Um, so that's, that's, it's just like a no brainer. Um, real quick, you know, you could have it really be a female themed trip. Right. There you go. Winemakers. Yep. Yeah. You know, and, and that's one of the cool things about, you know, Anderson Valley is that the, the barrier of entry is, is a little bit different for, for wineries as, you know, maybe starting to change a little bit, but um, you can find cool places in a way there that, that it's harder to get into in, in the rest of the wine country. Um, but in my glass right now, Brian, yep. is 2018, what we're calling uh, Odellini homage. So the Odellini family of people who own the Rossi Ranch now, uh, Paul Odellini, who, who uh, we lost just before the fires actually in 2017, was a huge fan of Mavedra, um, loved the Rhone varieties that we had growing out there. Um, so when we had the opportunity, 2018, we made uh, a Mavedra dominant Rossi Ranch blend. So this is 82% Mavedra, 18% Syrah, uh, sort of a, a counterpoint to this to the 18 Val Rossi homage, which is like almost 90% Grenache with just a little bit of Syrah and Mavedra. Um, so I, I, we just pulled this out of the warehouse, bottled it in in May. Um, so it's awesome. Probably be available come this spring. Um, but it was in the, it was in Jasmine's way. She was complaining about it. So I opened it <laughs> now and now she'll try and sell it. Um, right, right. I was going to say, I'll be working there on Saturday again, third, yeah, exactly. third week in a row now, um, there on Saturday. So hopefully I'll get to try some of that. Yeah. I'll, uh, well, I'll open a fresh bottle cause this one's not going to make it till Saturday. I'll tell you what. Okay. And then do you want to promote virtual vinyl Sunday in some way? Yeah, absolutely. So we're doing a, a virtual vinyl Sunday this weekend. So if you're listening right now or you're listening friday when this episode comes out email us uh email me sam at winery 16600.com or info at winery 16600.com and i'll send you the zoom 
uh, Zoom login info. It's we're, we're calling it Vinyl Sunday Greatest Hits. Um, we're gonna have little visits from a bunch of sort of uh, favorites of of Vinyl Sundays in the past. Uh, Chuck Chuck Motto, the Flavor Train, is doing a you know he's the TikTok star. He's gonna make us a little pairing video. Um, Clifford Brown and his dad are, are gonna come talk. We got David Gans playing music. Some other folks uh, hosted by a friend of friend of Paul's, Jamie Kaler, who's a comedian and actor in L.A. Um, you, you've seen him in basically every television show that's aired since 1992. <laughs> um, so he's going to be there, and and you know we're going to try and have a little bit of that Vinyl Sunday vibe uh, over uh, you know Zoom with hopefully uh, you know 150 of our closest friends um so so give us a shout um you know however you get in touch with winery 16600 and we'll um we'll get you that zoom login info i guess you know the thing is we're we're you know the thing of value is the the zoom login so i'm not going to give that away but you have to contact us and it's obviously it's it is free um it's ostensibly we'll be tasting um sort of the new releases coming out with the this fall Phil sent me release. Um, so that'll be the, the 19 Rose, the 19 Rossi Roussan, um, 16 Val Rossi homage, uh, 16 Simon's Cabernet will be the four wines. There's a couple other wines in the release, but those are the four that we will feature. You don't have to have the wines obviously to, to join, but if you do, you're welcome to open them and taste along with us. And what time is that going to be at? That's four to six Pacific uh on sunday i know it's like i almost scheduled it so that you could be there and not have to or you should just call in sick to the hotel brian i don't know no, you can't call in sick these days sam oh, right. that's that <laughs> starts a whole out. chain <laughs> next thing you know you're out of work for two weeks <laughs> i don't know i got a little fever i've been coughing i don't think i'm gonna come in today but i'll be there I, tomorrow no i had a runny nose yesterday i think from allergies and i was like i was sneezing and, and when i went in i was like do i tell them so i actually did you know they take your temperature and i'm like yeah i have a little runny nose but i think it's just allergies they came back and checked on me periodically through my shift last night hey how you doing how you feeling take, take your a deep temperature breath. again yeah so it's it's serious you don't call in sick otherwise right, unless you're going on vacation Right. Call in hungover. I'm like, I, I, <laughs> I started to think that that was why, you know, the 50 of us that they brought back to the hotel, I think they looked at records of who had called in sick over the past five years. And they, the people that had the lowest numbers, that's who they brought back because it throws everything off when one of us can't show up now because we're such, it's a, such a skeleton crew that all of a sudden you're like, holy crap, we can't, we can't do things without one, you know, one person is super important now. So uh, I, I couldn't schedule a vinyl Sunday without it having like incorporating um, the hour, the, the moments between like 418 and 422 um, to, so, <laughs> to be on brand. It had to be, <laughs> we okay. had to have some of that. Uh, so unfortunately we couldn't accommodate <laughs> and you, Brian, I apologize. I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> and, and Bart, you want to give us an update on Malbec Rosé, Malbec Zin, um, what's going on? Well, yeah, so I, that was what I was tasting, those three, my three wines that, um, from 2020. You know, I, I mean, to me, they all taste really good. You know, I've still not sent them in for numbers to see if there's any smoke taint. Um, you know, for you guys, a little background, they were never in direct um, heavy smoke. They were all, you know, kind of in, in, in surrounded by smoke, but... Um, we brought in small amount and they appear to be clean and beautiful. And the one thing I'd say is I'm wishing that I would have brought in more 
if, but you know, it's that risk reward factor. So um, that, and then I um, am going to, I did another pivot um, and I'm gonna release my 2017 Go For Run Zen. Um, so I'll send that out to the wine club here in the next couple weeks and, and do a release of that. And then um, Brian, I gave you a bottle of that unfiltered Shannon. I got yes, it was awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna I'm gonna offer that out to the wine club members, the unfiltered and um, okay, and hand bottled by the way. And I can show you. Oh, you oh you can't see on the podcast. This was a month ago, and I just now got rid of the the um, scab that was on my palm from pushing down the corking machine. <laughs> but I have a permanent like scar here on my palm. But but that had less to do with that was more of a technique thing on your part, and I think you were harboring a little bit of anger because. <laughs> well, no, maybe it's just that I got I only got one bottle of that Shenan for for this 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 scar that I'm gonna have for life. And you know you know you know where the Shenan's stored. You come get the Shenan when you need. All right, yeah, I think I'm owed a couple more bottles of that, and it, and Bart, it was it was really tasty. Um, and, and I figured out halfway through to put the, the garden glove on. So I was able to make it through the second half of that bottling. Well, you also didn't complain until there was actually blood. See, that's because I'm tough. <laughs> so speaking to that, and thank you for your service as, you know, a person on the front lines. We have a, a, a sign out front that says, you know, honk for first responders and for emergency workers. But, you know, when people ask about fires and stuff around here, we may not always be able to find like an electrician that can come and fix things rather quickly, but you throw a stone and your neighbor, your friend, yourself, your mom, your dad, like everybody is a firefighter or, you know, married to one or has one in the family. So um, the educators right now, the nurses right now and the firefighters right now, um, if you come and tell me what it is that you do, then I'm always happy to do something extra special for you too, because we're all heavily dependent on, on you and, Brian, same to you. Thank you for helping, you know, your friendly wineries. When we have our next bottling, I know to think of you now, but it's that job. Yeah, if I could just, if I could just push a button, that would be cool. There's nothing romantic about pushing a button. I know, I know. And I'm going to have, like we said, this is, it was an experience. So now I'm going to be telling this story of my palm for years to come, where if I was just pushing a button, on an automatic machine, I would have forgot about it the next day. Well, you know what, you guys, this has been a great conversation. You, these these um, podcasts, sometimes we're all searching out somebody we want to have on as a guest. Some people, sometimes something falls into your lap. In this case, you know, Brian sprung this on us on Tuesday, I think on Wednesday, we maybe we all looked at your social media feed for about a minute and really had no idea. And um, it's it's been a great conversation and um, a highlight for uh, for us for a while on on podcast. So thank you very much. It's good. And you guys, let's just say it right now. Get out and vote if you haven't already sent in your um, um, your ballots. Um, yeah. Please do. It's. Uh, um, it's an important time. I have to tell you guys, um, there's going to be, it's going to be some fun um, for the couple of weeks after election. I don't think it's going to get called that night. It's going to turn into two to three weeks of uh, constant 24 hour media cycle. Who's suing who, um, who's really the president. It's going to be crazy. So the more we can flood 
the voting system with proper votes, <laughs> I think would be great. So we have our polling station or, uh, where we drop off the, um, so we always vote by mail in Mendocino, we're remote. And so right across the street from us is the Mendocino Fairgrounds, where if, uh, if you like to see large display of apples in your grocery store, one day you should come and see the apples here. <laughs> Ridiculous, everyone brings their prized pumpkins and you know, the, the fairs. But um, to be able to walk across the street and drop my ballot and then come back, it took me three minutes. And um, I did a, a live. I was like, look, <laughs> it's this difficult. It's really um, Here it's easy. Yeah. So and it's the same, yeah. you know, getting the test and dropping off your ballot. So I, you know, Mendocino has a lot going for it. So um, I really appreciate the fact that I came all the way across the country from Sarasota, even though I miss swimming in Siesta Key waters and beaches. <laughs> Lovely. Um, it's it's made it so that there's a lot of like-minded people here. So, shout out to Mendo. Thank you for embracing so many people and, and letting us be among you. Here, here. I was uh, very seriously contemplating, you know, one of the last places we ship our wine club shipments to because of weather in the fall is Florida, Texas, and Arizona. And I was really considering holding back until November third um, to find out. If, if those states don't vote the way that I want them to, I'm not going to send them wine. <laughs> you're going to hold uh, back the news. Hold out. So if you're in Texas, Florida, or Arizona, uh, go vote the way that you think I would. Uh, <laughs> matches the color of my shirt, uh, and I'm not wearing red. Um, and <laughs> no, we're, we're starting shipping down there. But it is like this is – there's so many different ways of voting this year. Um, it's just like you got you to gotta do it. Um, if you want to go vote in person, you can do that. Um, but it's so easy to get the ballot in the mail, checks the right boxes off or the left boxes, I guess. Uh, and then, um, <laughs> and then drop it in a box, drop it in your mailbox or drop it in uh, the, one of those ballot drops. Um, we got one at our library here in Sonoma. Um, as long as you're not in Texas, it's easy to do. Um, so it's, but, it, and it's never been more important. Um, and you know, I've talked about this a lot and I will always talk about this a lot, but, um, you know, if you like wine from California, um, vote in a way that you are protecting those wines and that's a, a climate vote. Um, you know, it doesn't matter. No other issue, um, matters nearly as much to the future of everything than voting, uh, the way the climate needs you to vote. So. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll end my PSA there. This message has been approved by me. <laughs> and we call it maid marrying or Robin Hooding. You know, you don't always know where the money is coming from, but you always know what you can do with it. Right. So if, if you do end up shipping your wines uh, and you don't always know all of the, the flow, you know, your ledger, your, your Bitcoin, you don't see every single bit of where it comes from. You can always, um, you know, take and do good. So. hundred percent. Yeah. No, I, I am shipping wine to Florida, Texas, and Arizona before the election on, on faith that it'll go the way I want it to. But yeah, and, and you know, we do, um, when, when we are wine club shipments, there's always a charitable component. Currently, uh, we're giving back to um, the summer camp that I went to that focuses a lot on getting kids from, from diverse backgrounds and, and at-risk kind of situations and inner city situations out and actually into the Mendocino woods. Um, we've given money this year to the Redwood Empire Food Bank, uh, as well as UndocuFund, um, which is able to help out folks that you know, might not be able to access 
traditional, um, you know, federal dollars and stuff like that. So yeah, no, we'll, whether you like it or not, when, when you're buying our wine, we're taking a little bit of that and putting it to where it can do some good. Yep. All right, guys. Thank you so much, Allie and Andy. Totally appreciate it. Can't wait to try the wines. Uh, if you listeners want to check out some of the past episodes, you can go to radiomisfits.com backslash the winemakers. And hopefully we will be seeing a lot of you um, on Sunday for the Vinyl Sunday. Bart, are you going to pop on Vinyl Sunday? I'm hoping to, yeah. If, okay. if, I, get, if I make the top 150 people. <laughs> You're right there, right? You're right on the edge. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks a lot. We'll look forward to talking to you next week. Alan, Annie, thank you so much. You guys have a good day. Totally appreciate your time. Uh, thank you. All right.